How are we all? Okay. Well, this is the last Sunday here in this building. There we go. For the year. And so I just had this um, passage of uh, scripture that we studied at uh, um, Connect Group level two weeks ago. And it was one of those things that it was it's Romans 5. And once we uh, started looking at it, it was like, my gosh, there is so much in this chapter that really, you know, everybody's going to get something. And so we just went around the group and everybody got what stood out to them out of these scriptures. Um, and so it was a really good, really good exercise. And so basically I let them know at the end of the exercise is actually now you've just started your preparation for your first sermon. And they're all starting to freak out and sweat and think, oh, you're kidding me. But uh, I'm going to get three of them up to help me with a bit of a demonstration a wee bit sooner, but but later, I should say. So just thinking, we're finishing a year, and it's been, you know, we had COVID at the start of the year. We were talking at our elders' retreat there in the last couple of days, thinking, um, did we have COVID this year? It's like, it's not that far out of it. And so it's been one of those years that, you know, it's taken a bit to get through, uh, even though we sort of almost forget about it now. But then when we go into the Christmas break, we've got a few weeks off. And a few weeks off is like, I am ready for a few weeks off, to be really honest. Um, just saying to someone this morning, it's like, mate, it's like, it's going to be good just to have a, just to have a bit of a break and, and uh, just fill the tank again. And so that's what I want to talk about today is that, that we don't have it off. You know, we have it off from church, but we use it to fill the tank again. And it's running the race with endurance or the word endurance. And so the scripture that I want to go into here is... Um, Romans 5, 3, and 4, it says, and this is the bit, like, there's so much in this, and I thought, how much scripture do I read? I can read a heap of scripture, but I'm just going to stop at some bits and pieces. And it says this, but we also glory in our sufferings. Sometimes I would challenge that. We glory in our sufferings. That's like, we praise God in our sufferings. It's like, really? But anyway, there's a sermon in that, but we're not going to go through that one. Because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. That word perseverance in other translations is translate or is, is put there as uh, endurance. So to persevere or to endure. So I want to talk about endurance, but perseverance just means continued effort to do, do or achieve something, even when it is difficult or takes a long time. And endurance means the ability to get through a trial without compromising or wavering. So... Getting through life is a bit of a trial at times. And if we put the whole package together, it's like there's always something that we're working on. There's always something that's confronting us. And now Dre was just saying before, as we just had a bit of a prayer meeting before the service here, he said, oh, sorry, mate, I forgot to say, you know, the anniversary of my brother's death. It's like, I said, mate, it didn't really impact me hugely on the second anniversary. And I noticed that even the family thread in that, there was... Missing my brother, but not the, the, um, the grief that was there even last year. And so we get through our trials and we get through. And, and, and the thing is, it's always keeping sight of the end goal. Everything we do as Christians, it's the end goal that matters. And then we've got Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I like it says that the great cloud of witnesses are the ones that welcome you into heaven, the ones that are cheering you on now. And I, I, you think of an endurance race. 
is that when it hit the finish line there, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a bike race or a running race or whatever race, and there's just heaps of people all standing there cheering as they come through. You remember, you see those pictures on the news all the time. The winner comes through and everybody's, ah, well done, because they've finished the race. So our Christian walk has been likened to a running race or an endurance race. And so, what does that look like? So I looked up, I googled endurance race, and I found one. It's called the uh, Revenant Ultra. It is run in uh, Lake Wakatipu, which is down in Queenstown. And here's some facts about it. So if you want to get into um, multi-sport racing and endurance racing, this is what you've got to do. So in New Zealand, there's a race called the uh, Revenant Ultra. It's based around uh, Wakatipu, so it's on a farm there. It's a grueling 60-hour, 200-kilometer um, race that only top ultramarathon competitors need apply to. If you ain't in shape, don't apply. Don't even think about it. It says, most... Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Failure to complete is the most likely outcome. So, that's a good start, eh? Who's lining up for that? Oh, okay, we're going to fail, so let's just line up and fail. Let's do it all together. Let's all fail together. In 2019, no one finishes. In 2020, the miraculous happened. Four people finished the race. And this is a race that was deemed impossible to complete. So it's like, what sort of person would do this? It says the daytime temperatures up to 30 degrees with tender, blistered and beaten feet with unfavourable weather conditions and vicious terrain that destroyed most competitors. I mean, who's putting their hand up for this? Anybody working it out? Anybody? Yeah. And it says um, they're completely unsupported by a team. So when you go into this race, ain't no one going to help you. You know, at the pit stops and things, that, I mean, the pit stops are just places where they can actually catch a, a, an hour or two of sleep. 60 hours, they've got to sleep. So you've got to pace yourself to get through 60 hours, which means that when the batteries go flat, you've got to charge them up again. And that's the only time they actually see people. But you've got to run it by yourself. And it's, isn't that a Christian walk? No one else is responsible for your race. No one else is responsible for your training and your, your ability to stay in the race. You actually alone are responsible for your race. Sleep is taken when absolutely necessary. No GPS, no phones, and no watches. So you're just reading the sun. Without a watch, okay, I've been running for how long? I have no idea how long I've been running for. That would be horrible. This is the only thing they had was a map and compass. All right, so you've got to be good at reading those things. What's our map and compass as Christians? Yeah, it's that book, eh? Ascending 16,000 metres, which is the equivalent of going from the base camp of Mount Everest to the top five times. So I don't know how far that is, but it sounds a long way. It's a long way up. Dubbed impossible, most people only complete one lap of the four laps. It's only a quarter of the race. It says, one navigational error, slip or injury would mean the race is over for you. One. And it's like, as Christians, I've seen, you know, I've got friends and you have friends, people that have journeyed with you in the Christian walk and in the faith who are no longer walking in the faith. 
And uh, we had a friend that was a good mate of mine when I first got saved that was always one that was really, really keen to help and, and uh, really just, just always everything. Um, he was just a really willing person. And I think it had a lot to do with his need to be needed as well, of course. Um, and then he took on uh, getting, he got involved with Youth for Christ. And he was um, helping out there as the sort of like the two I see and you know, running big programs and all the youth and everything. It's all good. And, and he, was, he was doing good in that line. You know, he was good with support and tech and all that sort of stuff. And then his, um, the, his uh, boss said, hey, look, I'm, I'm running on empty. I'm, you know, basically, I'm burnt out. He says, I don't know if I can lead this anymore. And so he put a proposition to him and said, look, would you take it over and I'll support you? And so our friend, because he's willing to please and wants to help, he says, okay, I'll do that. And as soon as that happened, the other guy disappeared from the scene because he'd handed the responsibility over to someone else, and now he cleared out. But what happened is their friend was so loyal that he just, he just stuck it out, stuck it out, stuck, it got harder and harder and harder because you know, he probably wasn't quite the person to run the whole thing. And it got to the point where he felt so alone and so isolated that he too had to bail from it. And he felt betrayed. He, he felt let down. He felt unsupported. And I remember a couple of years later, I was talking to him. And it's been a long time since I've talked to him. And, I, and he was talking about it. I says, oh, do you go to church now? And he says, oh, Lyndon. And with all the genuine head shaking he could do, he says, churches are full of hypocrites. And I was like, sheesh. If you're a hypocrite, but no, don't. <laughs> But it was like, and the moment he said that, a real sadness came over me. It's like, yeah, I think Christians can be hypocritical. I honestly do. But to say that, you know, basically you say, I don't go to church anymore because hypocrites, uh, Christians are hypocrites. And I thought, whoa, bro. And as far as I know, he's not walking with God anymore. I see some Facebook posts occasionally, and there's never anything about God or anything. And, and, but he let one slip. That betrayal and that offense, the betrayal happened, the offense came in, and it just separated him from God. And it's just tragic to see what happens. Galatians 5.7 says this, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to, to keep you from obeying the truth? Who cut in on you? And often it's, it's just like somebody cuts in on us. You know, you hate that, you know, if you're driving the car and you've just got a gap and someone cuts into your gap, it's flipping annoying, eh? And you, I was trying to get across the main road at Dunsandle there last week, and I tell you what, you need traffic lights at Dunsandle sometimes. I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, and it's like, blimmin' heck. And then someone else will come up the side and they, they block your vision going this, to the left, so you can't see that side, and you oh, I can't see, and then a big truck comes up, and oh, you're kidding me. But if someone cuts in, you know, the person on the other side, they're turning, so they're not going straight across. And so it's like, no, and as soon as there's a gap, that person has to move, and you're still stuck there. I hate people cutting in on me. When you're running, you know, you see it happen in the, the Olympics. If someone cuts in, often there's a trip situation, you take someone out because someone cut in in the wrong place. So I've got um, three of my awesome connect group, Amy and Dean and, and uh, did. did Danny, I was going to say Dan, I thought that doesn't work. Danny, yeah, can you come up here and just give me a help here? So I'm just going to illustrate things. Because sometimes you remember, I got that picture there because I thought it looked like Conrad, but he's all tattooed up, so it's probably not him. But, but you can do it, brother. It does look like you, doesn't it? Yeah, I thought so. It's not your wife, though, that's the problem. Okay. Can you, Danny, can you just fit that to 
Amy. And you can fit this one here to Dean. Now, the, back. When you go tramping, you always put the pack on the back. Um, yep. See, both these packs are quite similar. They're black and orange. And they're uh, built for carrying. Uh, get, do them up. Uh, you need to get stropped up, you do. Amy, not so much. Dean, oh, okay. <laughs> you can make it work. All right. So, when they get themselves organised, I can't work. Dre, can you help me out? Can you grab those th- little things just behind the, the little ones? The bottle, no, the bottle. And the other thing. And that. That's uh, I'm still in live stream. I can't wander around. Okay, so, as a Christian, we're going to put a few things in our backpack. Your lot's that lot. Dan? Yeah, so just, you get ready to, to load up Dean's pack. So, so Amy, she's, she's walking through life, so she's doing it with God. She's going to put a Bible in her backpack. And I thought, maybe a bit of worship in the backpack. The smallest Yui boom I could find. Um, bit of water, bit of Holy Spirit, and a few podcasts. Let's chuck a few of them in as well. All right, so do up the zip. So how's that feel? That's good? All right. Hey, just before you do that, before you put that in, have you put anything in yet? That's good. Okay, before you do that, can you just run over there and touch that line and come back, please, both of you? Go, go, Amy. You do it too, Amy. Yep, touch that blue line there. Yep, down with your hand. With your hand, though, Dean, because this is going to look better in a minute. Yep, okay. So, so it's pretty easy, eh? So, so Amy's already going. She's following God. She's a Christian, and she's doing a really good job. So she did no hassles. Okay, Danny, load them up. All but that little green one there. So, see, Dean's, he's pretty comfortable at the moment. He, he's, all, he's all good to go. Um, can you just pass me that round one, Dre? The only thing I'm concerned about in this exercise is Dean's back and the straps of my pack. Just pop that there. And grab that little green one for me as well. All right, so, so we just put a few things in there. This is what we've put in there. We've put a few things in there like... Yeah, just pop that there on the floor. You can sit down. Thanks, Dre. That's good. All right. Oh, my gosh. Take some organizing when you've got to stay in the live stream. Okay, so, so Amy's loaded up with good things. Dean's got things like um, bitterness and uh, trauma and uh, a few hurts and um, pride, a bit of anger. And he's just popped them in his pack there, and it feels all right, doesn't it? You can, you can do it. All right. And so the thing is, Danny, can you put that one? That's a bit of unforgiveness. And you've got to have a bit of that in there too. And so this is stuff like, this is like the proper Christian, but it's not truly a represent because normally we've got something going on. This here is like really, if you've got this many issues, then you really need to see a counsellor quickly. <laughs> so now, now that you're ready to go, you both, you're a married couple, you love each other, you're walking together, and so you're good about this. Can you run over there and touch that line over there, please, now? Run over there and touch the line. You're not moving. Yeah, come on. Touch the line. <laughs> That's awesome, awesome. Um, can you do a star jump, Amy? Yeah, that's good. Dean, can you do a star jump, mate? <laughs> Well, is that just try it again? Can you do a star jump? 
Yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. Okay, so, so Dean is, is like loaded up with, it says weight and sin. And there's two things there. I hadn't sort of seen it before. Often we say, hey, sin, if there's sin in your life, you sort of know there's sin in your life and you've got to deal with it. Hey, Dean, you've got a lot on, on board there. You need counselling. But then it says weight. And I thought, well, weight can weigh you down. And it might be the things like um, trauma. Stuff that you've been through that hasn't been worked out. It's not sin. It's not like, it's not like who sinned. It's like something you've been through. Or shame. It's something that you, know, you feel about yourself, that I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, or whatever. And that's a weight, you know, and it, it's, it carries in your backpack. You doing all right? It's good. It just looks better if you stand there being awkward. Danny, just grab him if he falls. Um, things like hopelessness or disillusionment. Um, can be others' weights that we, we carry because of a certain season in our lives. And so, good old Christian Amy, come here. The knees just went down. Okay, so this is probably more realistic. Amy's doing really well. Now do a star jump. Yeah. Okay, how was that? Wow, yeah, so what happened when you did that? You, you felt something? You felt there's something there? Okay, so um, thank you guys. Can you unstrap them without wrecking his back? So there's an illustration. That's, if you remember nothing else this morning, remember that we can have a backpack full of stuff that we need to work on, or we can be normal but have one thing. And I had um, a situation, two situations last week came up that made me realize that I'm carrying something that I probably need to sort out. Well, I do need to sort it out. Even though I've tried to sort it out, and I think I've sorted it out, but these two things came up which made me realize that okay, I still got a little bit of weight I'm carrying. And the first one is I had a guy from my old church ring up and invite me to a men's group, uh, a dinner, and they had a, a visiting pastor from town coming out to speak to them. And, and I'm friends with everybody in the group, everybody. I could go to that group, I think I know probably 90% of them, um, and have a good night. But there's one relationship that's not that great. And I didn't want to be that person that made it awkward for that one person. Then I realized that there's something in me that feels awkward. I thought, this friend that invited me, I know what he's going to do. He's going to invite me along. The next time, Lyndon, do you want to speak? And then it's going to be awkward speaking to these guys that I know so well. But this one person that doesn't actually appreciate me. Now, I've I've gone to them and, and, and... Ask for forgiveness of, for what, whatever I've done, and, and I've asked them to, you know, you know, that we could stay in relationship. I've apologized for anything that I did that could have hurt them. Um, and I sort of feel again that I have to go again. It's like, I thought I got rid of that weight. But then it came up, and it's like, and Kath says, Are you going to go? And I'm like, Oh, made some pathetic excuse about maybe catching up with someone, or yeah, and I didn't go because I felt that little niggle. And then come Sunday, we had uh, Kev's father's birthday. He's 90, and so a big, big celebration for the big 9-0. And uh, I knew sort of roughly who was going to be coming, except I'd forgotten about this one person that's coming. And uh, I'm sitting there talking to someone, and then out of the corner of my eye, I saw this person walk in, and I just felt my heart go, oh, they're here. And the story, long story short there is that I've actually pleaded with that person to forgive me i asked them to forgive me. I've apologized for whatever I've done to hurt them. And I don't, there's nothing big or traumatic. Don't, don't think, oh, Lyndon, you're flipping wreck people. I don't. It's like this was out of the blue. 
It was a phone call one night that was just a horrible phone call where I just got accused of everything that you could possibly get accused of. And just to sink it in, I wished my kids never had anything to do with you. And I thought, flip. And uh, I remember months going past, backwards and forwards, trying to keep the dialogue open, trying to sort it out, and I couldn't sort it out. And then one day, actually, I was on my knees saying to her, please forgive me. And there's that cold stare, no. And I thought, you're kidding. I've done everything I can and you won't forgive me. And now when I see this person, I can sense that the unforgiveness has turned into bitterness. And they, they come in and they look out of sorts. They look troubled. They look, won't give me eye contact, head down, talks to me only out of, I suppose you've got to be polite Somehow, it's not very polite, but it's horrible. If we go back to Hebrews 12, now this makes a wee bit more sense, doesn't it? Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Often we think it's going to be the big things. You know, you, know, you might have thought I was going to say something really bad that I've been caught stealing and the police have interviewed me and got my fingerprints. No, no, no. The little things. Two people that I know that are not in relation. I don't mind not people not liking me. I'm used to that. But when there's things held against me, I do mind that. And so what is the weight? And I guess that's the, the challenge I've got for us all is, is there a weight that we're carrying that we shouldn't carry? Is there that, that, that discomfort? Like when Amy was wearing that little pack there, it was pretty comfortable initially, wasn't it? But when we put that other weight in it, it was knocking against your shoulder blades and your spine. And if you had to do you know, lots of running and stuff, that would have got really uncomfortable. It's only a little thing. Dean, he couldn't go far. He'd be dead by the time he'd done 10 push-ups and a couple of star jumps. We'll look after you. We'll pray for you the next Wednesday night. So the weight that so easily ensnares us, like trauma... From growing up, you know, often you know you see it we, through counselling or prayer ministry. We see that there's trauma, there's stuff that has gone down when you were little, and you think that you've grown up and you can handle it, and it's in the past, but it's still a weight that you carry. I was um, leading a youth group there years back, and I had this guy that was leading with me, and I, I he didn't turn up to to help one night. And just left us in the lurch. So I told him that I wasn't happy. He told me that he was working. He wasn't happy. And, and uh, that became a, like a wedge in our relationship. We, for about six months, we just, you know, we were polite to each other. But there was a wedge there. And uh, I remember one day thinking, oh, enough. This, I feel the weight of this relationship, relational breakdown. And so I said to him, one, just going to the church one day, I said, mate, I need to talk to you. And he said, no, I need to talk to you. And I said, no, I need to talk to you. I might have said this before, actually. And then... We both couldn't help but apologise over top of each other, hugged it out, and just recently I was talking to him. So remember that time that we really you know, had that falling out and we made it up? He can't even remember the falling out. He says, I do because I preach about it. 1 Corinthians nine twenty four to 27 says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners win, uh, run, sorry, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as, you get, as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes out into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. What a great scripture, eh? 
And then we, we look at that and we think, only one person can win the race. It's like, oh. But I want to address something, and that's the thing of comparison. When we're running this race, the spiritual race, we're not, we're not, compete, complete, uh, we're not competing, we're completing. And uh, often, you know, you'll see people, like, we'll, we'll, as humans, we'll compare ourselves with others and think, oh, I'm not like them, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, I wish I was that, I wish I had the ministry, I wish I had, the, had what you've got in your life, and I've had people wish they had what I've got. I think, well, sometimes I think I wish you had it. But we're not competing, we're completing. We're finishing the race that God has started. And it's like we need to have eyes for the end, for the, for the end goal. One of, the, one of the areas I've got, there's a number of, of people I've seen drop away for certain things, and, and it's like they start to carry weight. One, one of them is, um, the weekends are for me. You know, it's my time. You know, church interferes. And you see people generally believe that. When you believe that, that becomes who you are. Church has no place for you on a Sunday. And I can tell you this now. As soon as you decide that and you keep away for a while, the habit will kick in so strong that you will not be able to get back to church unless God, you encounter God in a significant way. And I've seen many people say, oh, too many nights out. That's why I'm not going to church anymore. You know, there's just there's these reasons that we have to bail from the race. And it's one slip, one wrong point of navigation, and we find ourselves believing something we shouldn't believe. I, I appreciate um, the Kingdom Brotherhood group. Um, just sometimes it's the little things that I see that I really get a lot out of. And one is, you know, Lucky said to us, the meeting starts at 7 o'clock. You be there at quarter to 7. Oh, we got guys turning at half past 6. And we're getting our coffees, having a yarn. So we have a yarn before the group starts. And honestly, we're, we're finishing quarter past eight, 20 past eight. Most of us are home by 8.30. And I don't know about you. Sometimes, you know, we, 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 you know, I like to unwind after a day. I've done my day's work. I've rushed out and got to this meeting, had some time with the guys. It's awesome. And then I go home. Before I go to bed, my mind's going too much. I, I can't sleep properly until I slow my mind down. So I, I like to chill out for a bit, just, you know, just relax for a while, and then go to bed. Um, the same thing with uh, Connect Group. You know, we start at seven o'clock just to put pressure on Danny and Jillian to get there at time, which is pretty good. And it's oh, this is so early, but we're finished by nine o'clock. You know, we can be home at quarter past nine. For us, it's probably close to half past nine, but we've still got time to chill out at the end. And sometimes, you know, when people say, "Oh, it's too many meetings," it's like how we structure the meetings. You know, we make them early and finish early. I know there's other groups that do it over dinner or have a connect group over dinner and stuff, and it's from 6.30 on or something for an hour, hour and a half or whatever. And it's like we can find every excuse and every reason to be unhappy with things about church or our, our spiritual journey to a point it becomes a weight in the back, one slip up, and then we're out of the game. Can I have the um, worship team up here, please? And so this morning, really, what I, I want to do is is leave it as a challenge, and as we, you know, we'll sing this last song, but uh, leave it as a challenge. What are we doing to ensure that we complete the race? What are, we, what are we doing that will ensure that we will get over the finish line with the, the cheers and the, and the, and the, and the claps and the, the encouragement of the witnesses that are waiting for us to do that? Timothy, 1 Timothy 4 1 says this, now, the Spirit expressively says that in later times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's fairly heavy. 
It's like in, in later times. I believe we're living in later times. We're start seeing stuff happening and, and going on all around us in the world that you do have to sort of raise your eyebrows out and think, oh, okay, there's agendas here, there's things happening here. And my last scripture for today, just as this guy's plodding over the finish line with his light pack on, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And that needs to be our confession. And so this morning, as we, you know, if we'd like to all stand, I just want to bring to our attention that sometimes it's it's not until we look at our lives that we realize there are some things that we need to declutter or defrag from our lives. Some weights that we carry around that God doesn't want us to carry around. You know, sometimes, you know, we get so used to, I was talking to someone recently who's just had a heart operation that's been slowing them down for years that never knew it. So they've just had a heart operation. They're going to feel like a new person, already feeling like a new person, you know who I'm talking about, eh? And if we can be like that, living with something that's slowing us down because we haven't actually realized it or identified it as something that's slowing us down. But I just believe God just wants to free us up. As a people, I tell you what, Rolleston is here to be taken for God. When people who have genuine needs, they have weights on them. You know, we think, you know, we look at our young guys and they think, oh man, they're staunch and they're good. They've got all their lives together. They're not. They're not okay. They're not okay. The people, our neighbours and that, you think, oh, they're all right. No, they're not okay. They've got stuff that's hurting them, stuff that's holding them back, stuff that they want to get out. I was talking to a young guy yesterday. We were just shearing some sheep and... I love the connections I have on the farm because I know that who I am is poured into other people and my neighbours and the young shearer. I get on really well with my shearer. When I ring him up, he says, oh, I was waiting for a call from you. That's a real invitation for a relationship right there because I know that he he wants to come and shear my sheep, which is a real bonus because I'm over it. And then another young guy came in with a friend and we got talking and I just felt that we were gelling good and, and he said to my friend later on, he says, oh man, if he knew that you were a hunter, he would, you would have had your best friend. So, okay, well, he knows now. And so I know that these people here, they, they reach out because they've got a need in their lives. And when we live our lives with a focus on the end game, the end goal, completing, people want to join the race. How many people want to do the ultra marathon with me and Andre? How many want to do it? Come on, we're figuratively speaking. You don't have to be shy. This is spiritual speak. How many want to do the ultra marathon with Dre? Who wants to go on a walk in the park with Lyndon? Yeah, here we go. That suited a few people. And so I just want to just let us, Dre will take over once they've sung here. And, but it's like, let's just respond. You know, for me, I've got those little issues. I put my hand up before because he half preached my sermon anyway. I put my hand up because I've got that little weight on my backpack that's annoying me. When I'm running, it's whacking my spine. And so maybe that's you today. And God just wants to meet you in that top, in that place and uh, get your, uh, your laces done up for the next trip of the journey.